0: people and welcome back to the Highline podcast thank you very much for making us part of your day and we're back sort of we we had an we issue. encountered some technical difficulties we had, earlier on in no the we had technical we came here on our usual schedule to make our early in the week show and nothing really worked
1: no, I had oh. no joy with anything. And we have good mics. We have good mics, laptop. The There's, laptop needs I'm upgrade. Not, I'm not going to call the laptop top of the range, but you know, it's decent. It does the job. It, it has been doing d- the trick.
0: It does the job. But nothing
1: just seemed to want to work for us.
0: But the only positive is it's a dreadful week of football. Like, just just for, for context, I'm currently looking at Fulham against Liverpool in the Carabao Cup semi-final, second leg. And I just watched... Luis Diaz score a pretty pathetic shot against. Berks Never Flanagan. put a winning again though. But they're winning again. And, like, they that's, just keep winning, and that's a good place to start. I thought they were so impressive. I think at the, the weekend. I think the manner
1: in which it was. They went about the win. It was is what's so impressive.
0: professional.
1: I mean, the first half. Look, they weren't there blistering selves the first half, but that's that's kind of a common theme at Liverpool at the minute. Don't
0: forget, they were playing a very good, oh, informed form team. team yeah. Informed
1: team, and everyone had doubts. We had doubts. Yeah, absolutely. I thought their defence could have been got at without Trent, I thought the midfield could have been got at without Trent slotting in there, and I thought they wouldn't be able to finish. But I think it's an interesting question to pose, to not just us, but everyone out there, as to are we actually underestimating Liverpool's forwards?
0: Oh, yeah, because... the Salah has even statistics. He's carried the ship. So he's far. carried the ship in terms of goals. We've seen kind of. We both agree to an extent. I think you like him more than me. That Nunez carries at least a rotational threat. Yeah, he's good. Good impact kind of sub in terms of getting at tired defenders. He makes really good runs. In my opinion: he's a poor finisher. He's not a good finisher. He's not a clinical. He was clinical the other day, though. He was. He was. Two chances, two goals, and they were
1: good finishes both. Jota, yeah, lethal.
0: That was a. There was some. That was a great finish. Did you see what Carragher put up during the weekend on Twitter? Yeah, it, I, it was. It was a poll just for people who don't know. It was a poll, basically four options on it, and it was, the question was, "Who is Liverpool's best finisher?" I, I assume he means of all time.
1: Yeah, it has. or it's I think it was of the Premier League Maybe the Premier
0: League year, but anyways, the players of the options were Fowler, Suarez, Jota was one, but who was the who's the fourth? Do you remember? Was it Torres? Maybe Torres, someone like that. But anyways, Suarez, Fowler, let's say Torres and Jota. Poll results were Suarez number one, Fowler two and then Blau. Okay, and actually the other one was Salah. Salah was the other one. Salah was the other one. Anyways, Jota was the fourth and Carragher chimed in again and said basically his opinion was that Jota was the best finisher Liverpool had in the Premier League era. Not the best player but the best finisher. Do you in any way agree with what he's saying? I think it's
1: it's definitely there's an argument there. Yeah. But he all, he put up a, the stats then and it was showing like it's I think crazy. XG and shock conversions yeah. and he like highlighted Jota who was second in the list mm. and like nearly as if to say exclamation mark I'm being backed up here yeah but then who did you see who was top of the list it was Divock Rigi. Uh you see so our, it's, is is it's he these, then calling Divock Rigi, Liverpool's best finisher of all time
0: it's these type of players though that they come in against tired defences and they're really good impact subs. So they don't play the whole game and get all these chances. So they're coming in. Yeah. And that's why their stats is slanted because they're never playing full 90s, really. Do you know what I mean? Like I, enough, I, sure. I, I put a fairly good bet on that Solskjaer's conversion rate is higher than... Solskjaer Van... is one of the
1: greatest finishers, but I suppose that's what the argument Carragher is making. Yeah, Jota is, there's no doubt about it, ridiculously good finisher It's lethal as I said but is he the best Liverpool have ever had in the Premier League I don't think so I don't think so I'm looking at Torres look at Torres I'm looking at Torres when he was at Liverpool yeah and now that was a lethal Mm. clinical Mm. striker so Jota number one definitely up there definitely a conversation to be had but I don't think he's number one though. Go back, go back to Liverpool. Back, yeah.
0: Favourites? Mm, definitely above Arsenal. Right. Well, because I'm going to go on to judge, judge them in Judged
1: the on what I've seen okay. in the last few weeks. Okay. Definitely above Arsenal. Man City impressed me last weekend. Uh-huh. But Liverpool, to me, look like the team that look like they have what it takes to Take them to the wire <coughs> at least if they can get over this period, which they've started off brilliantly, they have one more game without yeah without them Salah. without Salah because I think our Egypt out even
0: though yeah, but even though Salah he's injured, isn't he he is he's after picking up an injury, and that's worse than first fear mm. it could be a month, and what's Trent a month as well?
1: I still based on what I've seen the other night, I just I think they actually still have the firepower. The only
0: thing in question we're, we will talk about this more next week is they do have Chelsea next. It's defence to be got out
1: there. Statistically,
0: the most informed team in the league right now. Yeah. Would you believe?
1: I would, based on... I know they've won the last four games on the trot. Yeah. And there's not a lot of teams this season. I remember talking back in October when Man United were the most informed team in the I league. Know. And we were saying, the fuck's going on there? Where did that come there? from, yeah. So I think the league this season is so competitive and teams can pick up points everywhere that it's actually very hard to go on a run yeah. of wi- on a winning streak, which could benefit Liverpool as well because City mightn't be able to pick up that crazy winning streak they always go on. Yeah. But Liverpool, I was very impressed with how they fared against Bournemouth. The finishing, the general play in that second half, they didn't give, Bournemouth didn't really have a chance. So the midfield were good, the defence were good. The forwards are scoring. Mm. They still have Alisson in net. Mm. Liverpool, are with, and with every game, you can see them growing and growing in confidence. And you can actually see them growing in belief as well. Like Klopp in that press conference before the game was already coming out, and he looked refreshed from the break. Yeah, You can tell that they feel like they can go all the way. And that's, I think I said it a couple of months ago, that a Liverpool team that believe and a Liverpool team that are hungry and a Liverpool team that are doubted or don't Liverpool thrive off being the underdog especially when it comes to being against City yeah. so I think they're serious serious contenders absolutely
0: but then answer me this Liverpool had a very good convincing win away at Bournemouth Arsenal had a very good convincing win on the scoreboard at home to Palace yeah why did you open with you would without a doubt have Liverpool a higher favourites than Arsenal
1: I watched Arsenal against Palace. What did you think? 5 0 in any game is impressive Mm. and it's convincing. But if you actually looked, watched them, I didn't think they could have scored 10 if they wanted. Arsenal? Well, not even if they wanted. I'm sure they wanted to. Arsenal of last season scores 7 or 8 there. Palace was so bad. bad. Palace were so poor. They set up so poor there was such a gap between the back line and the midfield. Mm. So the Arsenal, like Odegaard was getting the space and he was fizzing. And Palace played a back five, but they tried to push higher. So Bart- Odegaard would get the ball and just fizz it in behind to Martinelli or fizz it in behind to Saka. And they just st- and they had all the space to just go at whoever the f- wingback, back it was Klein and Mitchell. Saka hasn't been himself the last while. Mm. He wasn't himself again the other day. Really, crosshairs. He was decent. He got a, he got a nice goal, but that was in the second half. There, if it wasn't for Gabrielle in the first half from them two corners,
0: Arsenal didn't have another chance. I, I tell you what I found strange, right? Because I actually missed this game. I was looking at the score constantly. I was kind of keeping up to date, and it was one nil, two nil, three 0 I was like, what? Well, they must be just clearing them. And I looked at just the match report. And I just glanced at who was man of the match. It was Gabriel.
1: A centre-half centre shouldn't be man of the match in a game you win 5-0. And
0: I'm thinking, what? That's fishy. Mm. Also fishy, Saka didn't get a couple. You know, like this sort of thing.
1: Martinelli came on and he was gifted two goals. Okay. Now, I don't want to take away from the... Because f- okay. that'll do him the world of good. Mm. And Arsenal's forward scoring will do Arsenal the world of good. Because the last few games they've struggled for goals... Mm this was a game that they didn't necessarily create a load of chances and missed a load of chances they had two corners it was landed on Gabriel's head he scored both of them Trossard got a chance lovely worked goal he scored it Martinelli got gifted two chances but he finished both of them that's the confidence Arsenal can take from this game but the performance itself in general
0: they didn't light the Emirates up at all I have a question for you it's really hard to get and build a team in the Premier League that's going to compete and, and, and get over the line in the Premier League. Arsenal definitely last season had a team that could get over the line in the Premier League. My question is, have they missed their best chance to win the league? Meaning, will they, with the, their crop that they have in this era get that close again? Are they capable of getting that close Sign again? Sign a centre-forward. You think Arsenal, with a centre-forward, can get that close? I
1: think with a centre-forward, definitely, but they also need to address how they replaced Jacka. I think that's hurting them a lot more than they realise.
0: Because they went from having a 6-8-10 and eight, a ten, to a 6-2-10s, essentially, with Havertz yeah. and Odegaard.
1: They're, they're like a hybrid of an 8 and a 10. I don't know how to describe
0: it. Well Odegaard came in from as a striker it's from like it's like an eight and a half. Mm.
1: The two of them are playing and it's not working in my opinion. Right. To do
0: you not think they're, Rice they're, is good enough?
1: Rice definitely is good enough, but I don't think Havertz is in midfield. I think it takes away from Odegaard and I think that's who Arsenal need to be playing to is Odegaard how I'd look at it I don't think they've adequately replaced Jack I think Jack was more important to that team last year than anyone realises
0: so you think what would you think with a striker they can
1: I think with a striker they can because they're missing chances and they're not clinical enough Jesus is not clinical enough I was actually I was going to tweet out but I felt I couldn't because they were winning 5-0 but Jesus I was going to say Jesus got more offsides this game than goals all season because I was just watching him. He had, I think he had one shot all game that I could remember. Hmm. He lashed at it and blazed it over the bar and he was just getting caught outside all the time. So he just wasn't moving me. And I like Jesus a lot.
0: On the topic though of strikers, one came back.
1: Yeah, very impressively as well. Very
0: impressively and, as
1: well. Like, And he was very keen to point out he did what he said he was going to do.
0: We're obviously talking about Ivan Tony.
1: Um, I mean, he did what was it three interviews with Sky nearly, yeah. and he just the same. Just
0: he the same thing
1: head. coming up. I'm going to come back and I'm going to score. He came back and he scored, and they won. And they won. Brentford hadn't won in a long time. No, Ivan Tony was outstanding. Like, but like he never it's, left. It's, but like it's, he never left. It's
0: every part of the game. That's what it's, I mean. It's, it's not just because he got a great finish from a goal, from a free kick, which you can argue with the wall was wasn't in the correct position, but he saw the spe- he saw the pocket. It was still a pocket that he had to hit there in that free kick. Yeah. Hit it perfectly. But it, for me with Ivan Tony, it's it's not just his finishing, which is there, it's everything else. I'm gonna make a statement. He could pop up anywhere.
1: I'm gonna make a statement. Go on. Ivan Tony's the most complete striker in the league. <clears throat>
0: Now the cane's gone.
1: Yeah. yeah, now the cane is gone.
0: Well, yeah, like look, Haaland is finish, <laughs> heading, hold
1: up, yeah. link up, pressing, elite at everything, strength.
0: Yeah, he is. No, he is elite. Like,
1: it, ha- and when I look at all the other strikers in the league, I think Ivan Toney, without a doubt, is the most complete striker in the Premier League at the minute.
0: The only argument you're going to have is Haaland. That's the only person the only person. But I'm not, I'm not saying
1: that he's the best striker in the league. I'm saying he's the most complete striker in the league he's in terms of ev- every a. facet of the game.
0: Yeah,
1: Haaland's a better goal scorer than Ivan Toney. He's better finisher than Ivan Toney, yeah. without doubt. Probably, actually definitely has better movement than Ivan Toney. Yeah. But that's, that's Erling Haaland we're talking about here. But I'm talking about every facet of the game in terms of link-up, hold-up, pressing. Mm. His pressing game is elite. <clears throat> His hold-up play is elite. His link-up play is elite. He was making Neil Maupay look like one of the best strikers in the league. Just from dropping short, Maupay spinning off him and just hitting they, they, they The worked. ball coming up, flicking off, Maupay's in. But, but it Jamie, was
0: so impressive. I actually couldn't get over how impressive he was. Jamie, it's the same how he made Mbwemo look. Yeah. Mbwemo looked... World like, beater. Like he could go to a, a big jump in in, in clubs yeah. when he was playing with Ivan Tony. And in fairness, he held his own when Tony was out too. But I can't disagree with that statement. I think Tony is is he. I, that's what gets me about him. He has everything, and he helps his team actively. Yeah, in leader all parts, as well. In leader as all. all. Part, like he came back after a gambling scandal. Captained the team. Scored in his debut. Re-debut back in the back yeah. in the team. One three two, And a team that's been Really struggling He's he,
1: he, was, he was a focal point In that game as well When they were in trouble It was Hit the channels Tony will be there And he was yeah. Every time yeah. He just drift he, And he is a great way Of drifting into space mm. If you watch him He'll Be out of the game And then I actually thought Damsgaard Was really good In yeah. that game as well And he always found him He was there And even I think it was for the second The third goal he drifts into the middle, gets the ball, switches out, weaker foot, weaker foot, out to the wing, balls whipped in, moppet goal. And I think a couple of minutes before that, he had swung in across himself that moppet just missed. So he's a creator, he's yeah. a scorer,
0: he helps in the defence. But look, a big move is coming for Ivan Tony. Probably, it won't be January, it'll be the summer. But and I think that, but where that's will the best it way where to Where'll he go? He'll probably stay in the Prem. He, he has to stay in the prime So he has to stay so, in, the so in my head In my head there's There's three, three options There's three main options Arsenal Yeah Liverpool
1: No You don't think Liverpool is his bother a chance Arsenal City United For me well, City's t- Or Arsenal Chelsea United Sorry my bad
0: oh, wow. Arsenal Chelsea I don't United. have
1: United in there I do
0: I don't think United have much of a chance
1: I I, don't, I'm not talking about having a chance here I'm talking about who's going to be the main people in for them
0: yeah no, I think it's Arsenal, I think it's Chelsea, and I think it's Spurs replacing Kane with him.
1: I don't think Spurs will go for that option. I think Chelsea will definitely they have the money.: I think Chelsea will definitely test the waters, and I think Arsenal would be stupid not. To. And I think Man United, especially, would be stupid not. To. Whether he goes there, <clears> there's <throat> another question.
0: Oh look, he, he would improve every team. Every team that we've just
1: named there. Every team, yeah, definitely. You know,
0: he'd improve every team in the league, maybe except Man City. Yeah. But that's. that's.
1: I think it has to be Arsenal. But.
0: I think, it, yeah, it just.
1: Arsenal just makes fits. Makes the most sense for me.
0: It just fits for some reason. Yeah. I think did he say in his interview with Stephen Bartlett and the, the only thing CEO, he likes Yeah, Arsenal. he
1: does. But when I look at Man United, I think they missed out seriously on not cashing in for Harry Kane and I think they won't want to let that opportunity pass again they have to and be th- able to first and I think they'll see that Ivan Tony move as another one that they can't miss out on because you think back to United teams <sighs> of the past and I just want to go through strikers because I've been thinking about Andy Cole signed from Newcastle lower team down banging in goals Dwight York signed from Villa lower team banging in goals Louis Saha signed from Fulham lower team banging in goals Berbatov Tevez Rooney they always got the most elite striker from that mid-table. From that mid-table mid or maybe like 12th to 6th place team. They got him, they grabbed him and they put him up as the focal point of the Man United and they flourished. So when I look at Ivan Toney, I just think, that is just a Man United ready-made striker. But this isn't the Man United from the but past. what I would
0: say, right, it's also not the Man United from the present. This is... a. Very new Man United. Barad has just come in. Yeah. Entirely new football ownership, football operations team. If you think they're going to, without a doubt, whether they can or not, they're going to be thinking, okay, this is our first window in the summer. This is our first window. How we need to make a statement. How can we make a Manchester United statement? Where better
1: to look than Tony? The number one phrase that has been coming out from all the articles in Man United, all these Brailsford meetings, all these Ratcliffe meetings, there's been a serious emphasis on the term best in class. Yeah. They want the best in class in all departments, whether that's off the pitch, on the pitch. And for me, if you're going for the best in class, Rasmus Hoyland, as a Manchester United striker, is not the best in class. But not Ivan right Toney, yeah. as a Manchester United striker, going into his, what looks like now his prime years, mm. No better striker to learn for Highland to learn off of. No better striker. Most importantly, I believe to take the pressure off. Oh, it's so essential. he will take that Man United pressure he and he will it. invite more of it. Mm. He'll say, "Bring it on, give me more." He, he was talking himself up before this comeback. There mm. was he was to all my doubters. There wasn't really that many people doubting him. No, there wasn't. I think everyone was like, "Tony's going to come back. That's huge for Brentford. It's going to be a big plus for them." But Tony's going to come back and score. Mm. Whereas he was going on. Oh, everyone that doesn't believe in me and everyone that doubts me, I'm going to shut them up. This is going to be for them. He loves it. Yeah. He thrives off it and he becomes a better player with it. Yeah. I just think it's Man United ready-made. But I also look at him and I think he'd be incredible for Arsenal.
0: Incredible for Arsenal. Incredible. I think he'd improve Chelsea Goodo because Chelsea need that strike. I don't think to...
1: Chelsea would be the right move for him, though. So,
0: neither do I. I don't think Chelsea's the right move for anyone I think right the, now. the best moves available... I don't think they'll go to Chelsea.
1: I think the best moves available to him are... Arsenal, if he wants to... See, there's two different ways of looking at it. He goes to Arsenal, he could be the man that takes them to a title, their first title since, what is it, 04 now? 04 or 05. Or he goes to United, becomes the main man and drags them to the top again. And I think any person that goes to United and drags them to the top again is going to get double the praise, double the credit, accolade, Mm. than if he just went to Arsenal.
0: Look... I want to discuss United really briefly. A lot of changes going on internally. Barra has come in, which seems like a massive, huge statement of intent. A massive statement of intent. They've taken him from Manchester City. He's coming in as Man United CEO. A lot of past interviews, ethos, morals, statements from Barra has come out this week. One that stuck with me is the way that that, that he judges a player, and it's. A player comes in and he's not up to the highest of standard in one, two years. The player is done. Yeah. First of all, that's not the way that's been done in United for, for the past decade more. But secondly, it, it lets players know there's a standard here at United. And they have to come in and they're not just getting these big contracts. that they, they, They've made it. They have a six-year deal. They have to come in and perform. I'm looking at... Pl- half the team's on the chopping block if all, you have, all you have to do
1: is look at Martial it was just announced he's today that he's out for 10, 10 weeks, weeks yeah. for a surgery that's come out of nowhere on a groin issue that he's been that's been niggling at him yeah that's summer window he was injured couldn't move January window injured couldn't move Yeah, think back to last season January window injured couldn't move summer window got injured just before the Premier League season at started he's that club it's incredible And he's just picking up another two and a half million quid before he heads off for free in the summer, probably to a Saudi team to to double his wage.
0: So, What's your thought on Barada? I think it's... And the the whole initial month of Ratcliffe.
1: Rapid, slick, quick appointment. And that is not something you associate with Man United. No leaks. No leaks. It was done quick. It was done decisively. It was
0: announced quick by the and club. And it was
1: announced quick. David Ornstein broke it, but that probably forced United's hand a little bit. But still, it was like one leak, two hours later, boom, Announcement. This is happening. Mm. I think it's a massive, massive statement of, of intent. intent. Massive statement of intent for Man United. Yeah, um, yeah I think the way Ratcliffe has gone about... His job, uh, since he's come in on Christmas Eve, is just strictly business. He has a plan. He wants the best in class. And he's go- and no one is safe. No one's job is safe. He's going to clear out who needs to be cleared out and he's going to bring in who needs to be brought in. And those appointments of people like Barada, and I presume they're going to go from the top and work their way down. Mm. So the sporting director is going to be next, whether that's Dan Ashworth, whether... Everyone thought that this was going to be a, either a Glazer appointment or Jean-Claude Blanc was just Not. going to come in. They had their man. They went through a process, interview process, said, this is the guy, yeah. let's get him. So it could be Dan Ashworth. It could be another person that just comes out of the blue. Yeah, they Then they'll move on to the head of recruitment. It could be Paul Mitchell. It could be another person that's just out of the blue. And it'll just... It's. I think they're it's really really positive for man united how they're going about their business definitely it really is but i think it's also important to that man united fans they'll have to manage expectations too and for a fan base that have been so patient over the last 10 years it will be hard to push more patience onto them mm. but i think of this because you think about it, if a team started the season with 11 new players would you expect them to do well straight away? No. Well, Man United are starting with a completely new board.
0: Yeah.
1: A new sporting director, a new head of recruitment, a new CEO, a new I get your owner. point, okay? It's, no, I it's get your point. a very
0: similar... Not a carbon copy. 11 players have to go out and not play much with each other and have to play together.
1: These guys have to come after not working with each other and try construct a team, try construct a club, try construct a mentality. And they're not going to do that in a year or two years.
0: I think I agree with the sentiment of what you're saying. I think an ethos and a way things are done mentality can be quite quick and it needs to be because there can't be questions of how is this new United. These guys have got to come in and they won't get everything right straight away and they won't work together perfectly straight away, but they've got to set the standards straight away. That it's very, very clear as it drips through all the the stakeholders from the fans to the players to the manager this is the standard that has to be done straight away yeah. it has to be done straight away so I agree with your sentiment that things will take time but in terms of setting the standard that has to be done immediately at United we spoke about Arsenal and the demolition job and how poor Palace were Hodgson's clearly
1: yeah he's under pressure and I think it's been a long time coming We've, I was talking about Hodgson being under pressure you, in October you I think. went
0: on a rant as to why he stayed on
1: yeah And if I'm a Crystal Palace fan and they showed in the game a clear sign of um, ill-content, they're not happy, and Mm. rightfully so. Yeah. The appointment of Hodgson in the summer showed no ambition. It showed no planning. And the players, Crystal Palace have some really good young really players. A good
0: team. Really you good think team.
1: of Gehi, Elise, Eze, yeah. even Anderson, Decore in midfield. Yeah, yeah. Good players. They've essentially just wasted a year of their careers. Like this, this year the Premier League is right off for them. Mm. Hodgson's no ambition. There's no ambition in the club, so how could they have any ambition at all mm. for the season? If, the club isn't showing ambition. How are the players supposed to show ambition? And those are players that I'm sure have massive ambitions. These are players that are linked with the top clubs in the Premier League every summer. Every summer, these yeah. players are linked with them. And the Crystal Palace board have, have let them have let the fans down and they've let the players down. You look around, Crystal Palace, where do you expect them to be every season? 10th, 12th, yeah. between 12th and maybe 9th. Yeah. Oh, maybe not the top eight. Mm. And I was just... I was looking at the teams around them in the league Fulham Marco Silva young manager wants to make a name in the game has a style of play has some
0: good results good results yeah, the players the have court.
1: bought into it do Fulham have
0: as talented no, young players don't. as Palace? No they not they, 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 they took a chance they took not, a chance on Jimenez up top Wolves Gary O'Neill young
1: manager has gone in there point good to prove results. good results players not is as there as talented players n- as Crystal no. Palace in there? a few good players there
0: no no not at all
1: Brentford even under Thomas Frank young manager
0: young manager but not as good a results this year no, good but results point last to prove, year
1: he has them up he has them finishing mid
0: table it's these sort of teams hmm. do you even, think Palace should be even like oh oh, oh. follow him at the post
1: there's just these sort of teams around them where you're just thinking, if they can do it, why Palace fans must be thinking, if these guys can do it, why can't we do it?
0: Yeah.
1: There's all these managers out there. They could have got Gary O'Neill in the summer. Yeah. He was available.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They could have got they could have got Graham Potter. Graham Potter's available. He is. Graham Potter would do a great job at Bristol Palace, doing a great job at Brighton.
0: Yeah.
1: He's a young manager. Point to prove. Yeah. There's so many of them managers out there, and I just think, I think Palace have really missed the boat, because this is such a competitive league this year, and I think Palace, even with Selhurst Park, with the players they have, they can pose such a threat. But you're no one's fearful of Palace at the minute, no, one. no. because Hodgson sets them up, you just know what's coming. He's going to set them up in a low block, five at the back. He played a 5-2-3 against Arsenal and the two he played in midfield weren't good on the ball so they couldn't even build up. So they were just resorted to hoofing it up to Mateta. Mateta's not going to hold the ball up for you. No. And they had Eze and Schlupp on the wings. Eze, if he's not in the 10, is wasted. Schlupp, right wing. Schlupp's a good player, but like, he's not going to do much for you. It's just... Isolation. I, I'm looking at Crystal Palace and I just think they can do so much more.
0: I think they could have shown more ambition. He'll be given to the end of the season though. They won't Do you think? him. They won't sack him. This is it. This is it. They're 14th. This is it though. They're not going to go down. I know. Like this is it with Hodgson. This is the last few months in football. I don't think we're how good. It'd be a think, very sad way to go out. I don't think we're how good a relationship he has with Palace and the board of Palace that they're going to sack him before the end of the season. I think they'll give him the end of the season but they really need to focus on the future from then on. I'm going to pound out a few transfer rumours. We're going to the last week of the, the transfer window. It looks like the Trippier deal is off.
1: Yeah, as of today, it doesn't look too positive there. More Miguel Almiron, I think. is What do you think is the of that with, with Almiron? Going to move. With
0: Almiron kind of. They're almost negotiating with a club from the state they're owning. It. Yeah, that's. It's like they need the money for FFP reasons. It, it reminds me a bit of Sam Maximin. Yeah.
1: The same thing as Sam Maximin but um, there's no doubt that Newcastle can do better than Almirón so oh, I don't doubt. think Newcastle I think they'll be sad to see him go just because I think he was likeable but yeah. I don't I think in the grand scheme of things I don't think they'll miss him too dreadfully especially with Harvey Barnes coming back I think Almirón surplus the requirements when that happens they'll probably sign someone better and they'll probably get a nice 20 25 million for him and they need they need to generate funds for FFP so Almirón is probably A player player they can get money for and a player that they won't miss too much and won't hurt them too much. So that makes sense to me.
0: Massive sign and announce yesterday. A loan deal with, by option, Calvin Phillips has gone from Man City eventually to West Ham. I think
1: that's a good move for him. Very good move. Especially, I think, Alvarez is injured at the minute. So he can just go and slot in. But I'm trying to think of where he fits in when everyone's fit.
0: Because I think Calvin Phillips needs to go somewhere where he's going to play every week. Well, Kevin Phillips will play. It'll be, you know, they do the rotational front three. It'll probably be, it c- could Phillips,
1: be. Phillips, Alvarez and Ward-Prowse?
0: I think it'll be, no, let's leave Alvarez out for a sec. I'd just say it'll be Phillips, Ward-Prowse. It could be Paquette in the 10. Never plays Paquette in the 10. Uh, recently they've played Paquette in the 10. But kudos then, bone and stuff. But I think it could even move Paquette out to the left and then bring Alvarez in. It, it, that sort of way. They'll have a few options there, at West Ham. But it's good no, six, it's, seven players there. It's good business, and it it's no
1: skin off their back. It's a no. loan deal t- till the end of the season. Yeah, It's a good move. And it's a good Aye, move for Phillip Phillips as well, because there's nice midfielders around him, nice forward players to play into.
0: Should suit them. Definitely. Well, next week is an exciting week. For sure. Next week, obviously, full Premier League is back next week, and we're going to be building up. But we are going to Manchester, and we're watching Man United versus Manchester the team United we just versus this West Ham team, possibly Calvin Phillips debut, debut live from the side of from Old Trafford. Side I of Old Traff- we are in the front row seats at Old Trafford, so we are going to be so there. So if you see a streaker on the pitch, it's Aaron. Definitely me. <laughs> Definitely me. You've pushed me, but it's going to be. We're going to do a normal kind of Monday show, Tuesday show, and then we're going to build up to that amazing because we have the biggest game of the season so far in terms of Liverpool-Arsenal as well. That Sunday. After the Man United game. So we're going to build up to that on Friday. We're going to do a podcast live, not live. We're going to film it in it in Manchester, reviewing that whole weekend of football. So the Saturday before, but also the Super Sunday. So that's exciting next week. That's what's to look forward to. But this week, guys, thanks so much for listening. And we will see you early next week.